0: Podcast podcast with Seedsing.com. I am your host, arden Kulik, and with me here is the best, the one best, not a list. If it was a list, it'd just be a list of one. And that's the greatest other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty?
1: Hi, everybody. Doing good. I'm glad that I don't have to talk about that Star Wars holiday (laughs) special on the podcast. God, that thing is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently there's some documentary out of it. Yeah.
0: I've never seen that, but he's talking about last week we put up the first watch, rewatch, the End of our season one. And they just ended it off with a bang with the Star Wars holiday special.
1: I still don't know what Chewbacca's wife and child and dad were saying. And that's the other thing. I don't remember their names, except I think the kid was called itchy. Or is that the grandpa?
0: One's itchy and one's lumpy. And then then there's
1: Mala. Mala, Yeah, Mala. Mala. Okay. Anyway, that was (laughs) awful. Don't watch that. Yeah, (laughs)
0: it's pretty terrible. But going from awful to great, we're going to do this is our year-end best of. This will be the last podcast for the year. It's going to go out a couple of days before Christmas, and we're going to take the week off and come back hot in the new year with everything to talk about. But I wanted to end off, this is a time of the year where we're supposed to be more positive. We're supposed to have joy or whatever the hell you might want to call it. And I wanted to think about all the, the good things over the year. Now, having said that, I'm going to have a few criticisms of some stuff sure. because sure. it makes me feel good to... Say that bad things are bad. I well, wanna, before
1: oh. you get into that, I do want to say we did a sports one already. Oh, yeah. yeah. But this didn't happen. John Morant came back from a suspension that he well-deserved. I was surprised he didn't get more, but he came back the night the night the before we were or The night after we are recording this, it was his – I don't know. He came – December 20 – what's the date today? December 19th was yeah. the return from his suspension. He came back last night, 34 points on 50% shooting and hit a game winner. What a way to come back off a of suspension. So I yeah. do – I'm a Grizzlies fan. They've been awful this year, so it was nice to finally have something to root for last night.
0: Hey, he showed why he's one of the best players in the league. He's, <laughs> you know, I
1: thought, no, oh, they can be okay. They've won without him before. They they have been dreadful, and last night was the first time we we're like, oh, this is how they're supposed to look when they play basketball. So I had to get that out. No, that's there. Sorry. all right.
0: So what I was saying about movies is, I live in the Cincinnati area. You live in the St. Louis area. There are a lot of big movies that come out at the end of the year, and they usually come out in what's called limited release. In order to be eligible for like awards, I have to be in a movie theater for a short period of time. And our cities don't tend to be those marketplaces. So there is a lot of movies that have not seen, we were talking off mic about poor things, Emma Stone's mm-hmm. weirdo Frankenstein movie. I you know both of us want to see that haven't seen it. The movie about the Von Erichs, the, the Iron Claw. Claw, yeah. So that stuff has not come out here yet. But Having said all that, I still, I'm going to tell you, Ty, we have to know that this year, the strikes, the writers and actors mm-hmm. strikes, basically shut off a lot of big films near the end of the year. So we never got to see Dune. Dune part chapter two. two. Yeah, yeah that's, com- that's not coming out yet. What was it? There's a Furiosa, even though that was supposed yep. to come out this year. My point is, the stuff we missed out at the end of the year is making next year look really good. Oh, Alex Garland's Civil War movie that's also coming out. So there's a lot of stuff that looks good. But the end of the year, I mean, this is when I'm usually going to the movie theater and I'm just not going. And I'll discuss some of the reasons or some of the movies that I just don't really care to see in the movie theater and why. But what we did see this year is pretty good. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to personally, there's two movies I think are all timers. And I, for a year, I've been trying to do this best movies of our lifetime. And I'm like, it's just a complex project. And I keep delaying it. There's at least two movies that would make my top 100 of my entire life that came out this year. But before I get into it, give me some highlights of movies you saw this year.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I actually wrote about this on the site. And as I was writing my piece about the movies, I realized that I'm not a violent person. But boy, do I enjoy violent (laughs) movies because I have cocaine bear was on my list. That movie ridiculous title ridiculous story and it absolutely delivers on everything you want it's funny it's violent it's gory Carrie Russell's a star in it her husband who's on was on the show the Americans with her is in one scene at the very beginning of the movie Margot Martindale is in it the gentleman from modern family who was married to cam I cannot Jesse Tyler Ferguson yeah. is unrecognizable in his role in this movie but that movie was fun it was gory it was violent and I had an absolute blast watching that. I can say the same thing about Megan. It's like RoboCop, but with a doll. You know, I was of the ilk of people before seeing it, like, oh, what's this whole dance thing all about that people are doing on the Internet? Then I watched the movie and I fully get it. I fully understand. And I feel like that movie was criminally underseen because it came to streaming on Peacock and not everybody has that. But whoever made that movie, it's like Paul Verhoeven's grandchild who actually knows how to make a good movie. No disrespect to RoboCop, which I love, but it's not as good as Megan is. And then there's John Wick chapter three, chapter chapter four, four, Mm -hmm. chapter four, which it's it's just they keep I never think they're going to get any better that they can't they can't build upon what they did in the movie before because it was so good. And they just find way. I mean, the scars guard that was in this movie, the one who played Pennywise in the it movies, he is chewing so much scenery as the bad guy, but I never get mad about it. I love their whole duel that they have. There's a scene near the end of the movie where. John Wick, Keanu Reeves' John Wick has to walk up like 200 steps and he keeps fighting people and getting pushed down. They pay homage to the movie Warriors with people chasing John Wick through Paris. It's it's absolutely phenomenal to watch. But much like you, I think the best movie of all year and the best movie that is going to, the movie that's going to go down, I believe it's one of the two you have, is Barbie. Mm -hmm. Barbie is an achievement. Greta Gerwig directed the hell out of the movie. Her and her partner, Noah Baumbach, wrote an excellent script. Margot Robbie was dynamite, America Ferreira, Issa Rae, Simu Liu, Ryan Gosling, Will Ferrell. Everybody in this movie did a fantastic job. I mean, if you break it down to its nuts and bolts, we're talking about a movie about a Mattel toy that's been around forever. And they made this profound and prolific and heartwarming story about growing older and wanting to be treated human. It's just it's an achievement of a movie. And it's a movie that I constantly find myself thinking about on the daily, finding new things. It's on HBO Max now. My daughter watched it again the other night with my wife while I was coaching basketball, and I was upset because I wanted to watch it with them. Barbie is an amazing, incredible, wonderful movie that everybody needs to see.
0: Yeah, that is. There's actually three. Sorry, three movies. I haven't talk about <laughs> Bar- Barbie is like, if I was making my own list, there's two movies I'd consider number one. And there's one movie that is personally my favorite, but Barbie is better. Much like the Lego movie, mm. it just should not work. And yeah. they did something, they did something accessible, they did something with a great story, they did something that was fun. All the actors are hitting it out of the park. Obviously, all the stuff with Ken that's really, really goofy. And then there's a scene of Barbie just sitting next to the old lady and her he's saying, you know, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful. I mean, Margot Roby just absolutely nailed it out of the park. And perfect. You can't talk about Barbie without talking about Oppenheimer, which I also saw. I did not
1: see that yet.
0: Yeah, It's not one of the movies that, look, Oppenheimer was good. And that one scene is worth the damn three hours sitting in the theater. It's a very good movie. It's a very big movie. Like, it's one of these films that I may never go back and watch it again, but I'm never going to think negatively about it. Barbie, I obviously will watch again. Yeah. Another movie that I've already seen a few, I've seen twice, is early in the year, Chris Pine was in a Dungeons & Dragons movie. I've heard it's really good, too. They, so they've made, I think, a two other Dungeons & Dragons movies. One of them had Jeremy Iron in it. and uh, <laughs> Jeremy's Iron? Yes. And <laughs> it's awful, because it's like wizards and swords and all really serious. What made this movie, Honor Thesis is what it called, First off, Hugh Grant is absolutely nailing it as just a cheesy-ass bad guy.
1: But great and Walk as an Oompa Loompa, too, by the way. Yeah. Just need to throw
0: that out. Well, Hugh Hugh Grant is embraced, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Paddington 2. I've seen Paddington, not Paddington oh, 2. Paddington but I heard 2. he's yeah. phenomenal. Oh, he Paddington is. He's too. great. I ain't not seen Paddington
1: 2 yet because I cried like a baby at Paddington.
0: Oh, Paddington 2 is incredible. It's a great okay. movie. But they're having fun. And what I, you know, I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it's always like, we got to go beat the bad guy. And then they're like, hey, look at that shiny thing over there. That's what this movie is. They're like, "Oh man. you know immediately what they have to do. And then they're like, oh, wait, hey, let's go find this. Let's go find this. The guy who was on Bridgerton, Re- Rene Jean Page or something. Oh, like yeah. That. He was
1: in the first season. Yeah. My wife loves that show, so I I'm aware mean, of it.
0: Yeah, he's I mean, in a very, very small part, he's really good. But that's what made this movie work is it was fun. It was an enjoyable Little adventure to watch.
1: Isn't the girl from Fast and Furious in that?
0: Yeah, yeah, she was. What's in, her name? Gosh, she was also on Lost. Why can't I think of her yeah, name? Yeah,
1: I can't think of her name either. I know I can picture her face.
0: Michelle Rodriguez.
1: There we go. Yeah.
0: So I immediately came to my head, and I didn't spend a minute here looking it up. But <laughs> yep. But no, that was that was good. The other movie, and again, probably my personal favorite movie, is a couple of weeks ago I went to go see Godzilla minus one. You told me that. I have
1: no idea what this is. And you told me when I talked to you that it's a Japanese Godzilla. I i don't even, I've never heard of this movie until you told me. Mm-hmm. And it's got a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: I'm going to talk more about Godzilla when we talk about TV, but I have all I've, I love Godzilla. I think Godzilla is great. There's Japanese Godzilla and there's American Godzilla. The mm-hmm. The one, the Roland Emmerich one from the nineties is awful, but the ones they've made, they've been fun. And the whole Godzilla vs Kong. I love that movie. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's it's so bad. But Godzilla kind of the good guy. He's there to sure. protect people and stuff. Japanese Godzilla is not. Japanese Godzilla is a monster. There was a movie maybe ten years back called Shin Godzilla, which I really liked a lot. And it's I both- think
1: I've heard of that too. Yeah.
0: So this is the same company, and this guy makes this terribly named movie. It's about Japan after World War II, and the Japanese people, they say that's Japan zero. That we're at zero. We have to oh, rebuild. Okay. And so this movie, the idea is Godzilla comes and makes it worse. But yeah. he oh, is interesting. a terrifying monster in this movie. But it's not, it's not just the Godzilla crap that's cool. Is The story of this movie is great about this failed kamikaze pilot coming to terms with the trauma of war and all these Japanese people coming together after getting their country obliterated. And there's an incredible scene where they're making his big plans to fight Godzilla and this like former general. And he says, he looks at all his men and he says, I saw so many men die. Nobody dies tomorrow. And it's hmm. this weird kind of, like I, I found myself like with Barbie wanting a happy ending, wanting things to work out for these people in the face of, and the, the Godzilla in this thing kicked ass. It was a such a cool looking thing,
1: but it sounds a lot like Logan where it's yes. kind of with X-Men and you want to see what Logan Wolverine's claws can actually do. It sounds like with Godzilla minus one is you want to see what a Godzilla like monster could actually do to a place. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Now on Another side, a little bit of some criticisms here, okay? You put Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse on your list. Yeah, I I purposely didn't
1: mention it because you told me a couple days ago when Mm. we talked about what we were going to talk about. You had, I think this movie is incredible. It only builds upon the the original one, and it is the most comic book-like thing I've ever seen, and I'm astonished that the animators know how to do that. I think this movie is amazing.
0: Everything you said is right, except I have one issue. It's too long and this can be more dude this is this and i also don't like the fact that it ends on the cliffhanger that's just a personal thing for me though (laughs) i mean movie this is for another day but i'm like i need a movie to end no you know you're gonna get more though no i i get it i understand this is a problem i'm seeing in movies nowadays i'm gonna go back to godzilla vs. kong the last half of that movie is the two of them beating the living hell out of each other, and then Mechagodzilla comes in, and then they beat the living hell out of Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla was wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, spoiler alert, people. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it worked for me because the fight had acts. It was like, this was going to happen, and this was going to happen, and that's what that movie was. It was a punch fest. The Spider-Verse movie had an incredible storyline. It had an incredible, I mean, the voice cast on that is great. Everything Mm. that talked about the way it kind of takes a Spider-Man myth and flips it a little bit is really, really good. And then there's like a 25 minute chase fight scene that I'm like, (laughs) it it could have been half as long. But I'm going to say this, though. It's not just that movie, which, again, I think is really good. The uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast. Another fun movie. Another movie I like the final battle, which is just freaking animation. Even though it looks real, it's not just goes on and on and on and i'm like end okay i get it i understand it and it's the same kind of repetitive fighting over and over again godzilla minus one was made for 15 million dollars okay the transformers movies made for like 200 million Mm dollars if not more right look i loved bumblebee when it came out because it had Again, I keep comparing this Godzilla minus one. The human characters were interesting.
1: <laughs> and So let's see. That's what I like about Spider-Verse is you get Miles Morales having a crush on, on Spider-Gwen, and he's mm-hmm. got to deal with that. You have. Jake Johnson dealing with having a kid and mm-hmm. like being married. Like, I love that stuff in that movie. You get I, Miles I Morales with his parents. He's a teenager going through puberty. Mm-hmm. He's got to deal with his mom and dad.
0: whose dad just happens to be a police chief. Or yeah. a, an Again, you're right. The story <laughs> is I need that, that fight scene or whatever to be half as long because I just found be myself, <laughs> I find myself checking out. But I'm going to tell you right now, the movie that was absolute worst at this was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I haven't seen this based on you telling me how bad it is. It's, look, no, here, I'm going to tell you something. They stick the landing in this movie. And again, this is not a bad movie, but the opening should be half as long. There's a chase through a North African city, which should be one third as long. It's just, and again, you're talking about a movie that costs $300 million, and I'm finding myself bored during the action sequences. It's just not right. Guardians of the Galaxy, you can have a long movie. Oppenheimer, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, both movies that I like a lot. John Wick 4. Yeah, John, yeah, that's like two and a half hours long.
1: (laughs) Almost three hours. 241 is, I believe, the runtime.
0: I don't mind that because they're tight. They work well. I mean, the movies, the way it moves forward, I never found myself checking out of it. Mm -hmm. But before we move on, I do have to mention maybe one of the worst films I've ever seen. Came out this year. I I, I know what you're talking
1: about (laughs) because we talked about it. I watched about an hour of this movie, texted you, and you said the movie's awful, and I
0: stopped. Yeah. So. The Flash. Real bad. Yeah. (laughs) You and I, you can go back years ago where you and I had, like, a little debate on DC versus Marvel.
1: One of our earliest podcasts, I believe. Yeah.
0: And I was in for DC. And I was like, it's these gods, these godlike creatures. And look, I did not hate the you know the first Superman Henry Cavill movie. I've found some defensive Batman v Superman. But <laughs> these movies, and I told this to my wife, especially after seeing something like Godzilla or Barbie or The Guardians of the Galaxy. I want happy endings. I'm tired of these dreary ass superhero movies. Sure. And The Flash was long. It was stupid. It <laughs> had it made me dislike Michael Keaton in the Batman role. That's how bad this movie was. That's got
1: to be hard, man.
0: And look, I'm not going to go see Aquaman too. I thought the first Aquaman mm-hmm. was fun as hell, but you it's know, what? Fine, I yeah. I just don't care. I didn't go see the Marvels because I just don't care. And I love the show Ms. Marvel, okay? Mm-hmm. But I just don't care. I yeah. mean, it's I'm just it's getting tiring, and I know everybody's superhero fatigue and all this other stuff. But you can go make a, a movie about a plastic doll and you can make it great. You mm-hmm. can have a subtitled Japanese Godzilla movie and you can make it great. And you can have a bunch of idiots having fun doing a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. You know, it's it's not that big budget movies are hurting. It's no. just the ones that are doing it right are the ones that are doing non-traditional things. And by the way, I haven't seen Flowers of the Killer Moon because I just Me don't want to sit on my ass for three hours. I, <laughs> yeah, I- I
1: can't do that either. And I'm sure it's fantastic. The dirty little secret in our household, as you well know, is I'm not a Scorsese fan. And our mom is obsessed with Martin Scorsese. So the fact that I told her I have zero interest in that, she hasn't seen it yet either. But I I told her I have zero interest in that you would have thought I told her like, I don't like spaghetti and our mom's Italian. So you would have (laughs) thought I told her I don't like spaghetti anymore or something when I told her I have zero interest in seeing that movie.
0: All right, so let's talk about TV. And again, there are two major, three I'm going to talk about, but two major things that if I had to pick a number one, it'd be like a Sophie's Choice between these two TV shows. Because yes, I'm comparing a movie about the Holocaust to some goofy TV that I watch. But, um, <laughs> but I'll start with you, Ty. What were some highlights in television?
1: Right off the bat, I want to talk about this show, the other two. I've been championing for it on our website. I think this show is one of the funniest, best-written, and oddly heartwarming sh- shows that have ever been out there. They had their third season premiere on HBO Max, and it was this final season because it was canceled, and I think wrongfully canceled. The show is amazing. It's For people who don't know what the show is about, it's about these siblings, a brother and a sister, whose younger brother gets Justin Bieber-like famous overnight, and they're both trying to make it into the world. But when you get to season three, the brother is, an a- is-, is acting. He's in TV shows. He's in a movie. The sister has become a manager and she's doing her thing. So this is just kind of to see where they go from here. Now that they have achieved this level of fame, it's kind of like, we're going to see where we go from here. And the show just, it's very meta. It's very quirky. It's very funny. It's very goofy. And I love everything about it. Season three of the righteous gemstones. If they gave us nothing outside of uncle, baby, Billy's Bible bonkers, (laughs) I would be totally happy with it. Walton Goggins wearing old man makeup, talking the way he does is more than worth the price of a mission. But this season, you had the whole thing with Edie Patterson and Tim Baltz, Judy and her husband, BJ. The stuff with Adam Devine's character, Kelvin, eventually, finally, finally coming out of the closet, which has been referenced to the whole time. And the stuff with John Goodman and and I can't think of Danny Danny uh, McBride. John yeah. Goodman and Danny McBride, the stuff with them, you know, Danny McBride trying to take over, John Goodman wanting to leave. It's The show's masterful. The way that they've done this has just been incredible from where they started to where they are now I have to mention jury duty that show was awesome I didn't watch it then a bunch of people said you got to watch this show you won't believe it and they were right I didn't believe what I was seeing and I was blown away at it that they pulled this off and that James Marsden could play a Mm -hmm. version of himself that was so ridiculous is incredible to me my top two shows of the year were season two of the bear I didn't know how they would get make that show any better and they found a way Jeremy Allen White, and I can never say her last name, but Io Edie Beery, I believe is how yeah. you say it, are incredible on that show. The way they they moved that show along, the way they've kind of focused episodes on individual characters this year, they somehow made that show even better. But the best show of the year, and much props to you and our dad who told me I need to watch this show, is Last of Us. Never played that video game in my life. No idea what it's about. That show is bleak. You talk about not happy endings. The show has none of them, but I could not pull myself away from watching that show. I've never cried at a piece of entertainment as much as I did at the episode with Nick Offerman and the guy from Last of Us. I have never been so angry at Pedro Pascal for what he did to Ellie and the TV show at the end of the season. And I cannot wait to see where they go with season two.
0: Yeah, that is the best show of the year. It gets overshadowed because it was. Started in January of last yeah. year, but you're right. That part, I came late to it. So that third episode is is a masterclass in storytelling and acting and everything. The, That's like the happiest story of the whole season. Yes, too. Yeah, and like I said, I like my my happy endings. And Last of Us was just like you said, just as dreary <laughs> as possible. But but you can't not you can't look away. No, no. And Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are just so damn good in that it's incredible i was getting annoyed because look over at defector i really like drew mcgarry but he's turning into this middle-aged you know white man yelling at cloud talking about every time he talks it's about like him taking an edible or something and (laughs) early on he's like is anybody else annoyed at this ellie girl on the last of us like i am and i'm like (laughs) he is a child you know (laughs) bella (laughs) ramsey played that character perfect yeah but that was easily the best show of the year now the one i thought about and the more i thought about it is like i mean you talk about recency bias but loki season two now i haven't seen it yet i've heard it's really good though now the reason why i would loki season two ends better than any marvel thing has ever ended and we're talking about this right when Jonathan majors is not going to be kane anymore and
1: Ooh, yeah he's in a lot of trouble yes, yeah
0: and that doesn't bother me at all i mean because part of the problem with loki i think was him and this is before i just remember sitting there like the character was yeah and i never saw ant-man Quantumania or whatever don't waste your time no, I, it takes yourself too serious yeah i'm not going to but the end of loki the last like three episodes especially i mean you talk about tom hiddleston owen will or not who am i isn't it Owen Wilson? Yeah, Owen or is it Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah, it's no, Owen awesome. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Owen Wilson and then I can't remember her name but the the lady yeah. that plays Sylvie, the three of them are just so good. And it's like the end of it. The the second to last shot of just Owen Wilson and saying I'm going to stay here and let time pass is so gratifying. And yeah. I was like so that's the thing with Loki. It's I didn't like Jonathan Majors in it and I didn't I took a while to get where it was going. But once How- it got the,
1: Oh, uh, how is Ki Ki Hway Kwan Quan in the show? I know oh, he's incredible! In he's true. great. Okay. He's so
0: great. That's I love some the, of the
1: resurgence of ever since everything everywhere all at once. I love this resurgence.
0: Yeah, season. no, he is. He is very, very good. Very, very good. I talked about Godzilla. There is a just, show on Apple called Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and I, it's not done yet. I've I've seen the first five episodes. It's basically a modern. It it tells the it, two storylines. It tells. Of Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt Russell play the same character. Wyatt Russell plays oh. him as a younger man. Kurt Russell nice. plays him. Yeah. In That's the- a great
1: use of the oh, two of them.
0: Absolutely. And they're really good. And this show's got John Goodman in it and Ken Watanabe. And isn't
1: Anders Holm in it?
0: Yes, Anders Holm yeah. is in it. And it's 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 about the people. And again, it's American Godzilla, so it's good. It's just not quite there yet for me. But I do want to talk about the show How To with John Wilson.
1: Okay, uh, so I went to see Joe Pera earlier this year in a stand-up show, and the buddy I went with would not stop talking to me about that show. I still haven't watched it yet, but I need to start watching this show.
0: Yes, so it ended its run this year. It's three seasons. I think there's no more than ten. I, I've talked about the show before. It's Nathan Fielder is the executive producer on this show. It's this John Wilson, this guy that lives in New York, and he'll start off like I'm going to show you how to how to reupholster your couch. And then he ends up finding out about some weird sex cult and all these other things. What- it sounds like it's
1: like Joe Perry's adult swim show yeah. where Joe Perry's like, I'm going to talk to you about rocks. And then his neighbor's insane or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it is. It just
0: veers off. And this last season, there was this one about how to, how to birdwatch. And it goes into these factions of people in birdwatching communities that are like fighting with each other and about all the lying that people do. And it ends up like the episode ends with his car exploding or something because he's talking about, am I lying to you? Do you guys know I'm lying to you? And then the very last show goes into he goes to some weird clinic down in Arizona to where they're freezing people's heads and bodies. He meets (laughs) this guy and it just goes into this whole thing about the guy talking about how he self-castrated when he was 16 and just weird as all get out just these people and things he finds but these little 30 minute documentaries are just Mm -hmm. so incredible and it was it was one of those shows where it's like i forgot it was there and then when oh yeah the last season how to is here and i just ripped through it and it was it was just genuinely like really really good and (laughs) Okay, but what's weird, the thing I was going to say and this first half on this with TV is I don't watch a lot of TV and Mm -hmm. I and that's not true. I watch a lot of old TV. Oh, yeah. And I don't but I don't really watch anything new. And I don't know why that is. There's uh, HBO, like I said, had The Last of Us. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I need to watch The Bear. I haven't seen it, and I'm like, I need to watch it. They just announced what we do in the shadows is going to end yeah. on its next season, and I've only ever watched the first season of that.
1: That bums me. That Matthew Berry is so good in it. I, I sorry, that bummed me out when I saw that.
0: Yeah, no, no, and look, I get it, I understand. Like I said, how to, I'm going to miss it, but I'm. Mm. It's awesome that the time we had. I did uh, watch the the new Doctor Who specials they had with David Tennant, and I'm like. Oh, uh, you know, I should go back and watch some of the last few doctors that I haven't seen. But for the most part, there's just nothing. I, when I went to go see Godzilla minus one, there was 20 damn minutes of, of previews or wow. uh, not previews. I'm sorry, of commercials Commer- and then, commercials. Yeah, yeah. And it's all these like shows coming to CBS or NBC and uh, you watch football and they're like this. And I told my wife, I mean, I'm almost 50 time
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that crap's just is for old people. Sure. And then when I talked about the whole superhero thing, I just, there's just so much. Look, there's a WandaVision that's great, okay? Mm-hmm. There's an Andor that's great. The rest of it I don't think is bad, but I'm like, do I really need to watch all this stuff? Again, I almost checked out of Loki until wow. I, did, I didn't start watching it until they were all on. And everybody kept saying, oh my God, stick it to the end because it sticks the landing. I'm like, okay, but... Compared to movies, I guess what I'm saying is movies are hitting it out of the park. TV, yeah. Oh, well. Before I before I forget, because people are going to bring it up because I brought up before the fourth season for all mankind is also on Apple TV. I'm caught up. I just haven't watched any of the fourth season yet, so that's why no, I didn't talk about. it. Well, that's
1: the thing too. Is there's something about being at home with my wife and my kids, and we just want to watch comfort food, which for us is Man versus Food. We love that show, so we will like. I am currently watching The Curse because I love Nathan yeah. Fielder and I want to see what he's doing. My wife and I are watching Fargo because we watch it and we're completionists. We want to do that. But if I'm being honest with myself, it's much nicer to sit around with my wife and kids and watch Man Vs. Food until they go to bed and then to go in my bed with my wife and hang out and watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because I'm like you, I I just want to watch older TV show that is comfort food for me. I haven't seen Andor. I I haven't seen Loki yet I haven't seen Miss Marvel you know all these shows that people are telling me and quite frankly I don't know if I'm ever going to get to them. Mm-hmm. I think with how to with John Wilson I will make a concerted effort because the same friend of mine who told me about this show is the one who told me about Joe Perry talks with you and you told me about that so you guys haven't steered me wrong but there's not many other shows I haven't even I haven't watched the most recent season of Big Mouth yet and yeah. I love that show I just haven't gotten around to it because too busy watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, 30 Rock and Man versus Food.
0: Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about a, another podcast that I do work on it's called High Heels in Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because. She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Leese, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, here is where we show how entirely unhip we are because we're going to talk about the year in music.
1: Yep. I want to say I got to get this out right now because you and I were just talking about it. I was looking at Paste. I was looking at Pitchfork, all these sites I used to read all the time when I was younger in my 20s. I'm looking at all their best of and I said to nobody in particular, I'm officially old now because I don't know who any of these artists are. There's People on there who they're talking about, like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I have no idea who these people... You mentioned Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. I only know her because my wife listens to some of her stuff on Spotify. I don't know who these... I turned 41 a week ago and I'm officially an old man.
0: Every few years, I find an artist to follow. I'll talk about that and then I'll talk about Discovery because I think that is part of it. At At our age, we when we're talking about catching up on television sometimes we're catching up on music that is from from our youth or something we missed out on and we've gone back so i'll talk about that but let me get your view of your year in music for 2023
1: yeah so recently it was announced that little Dickie, who i like a lot is gonna put out a new album and the album is entitled penis and i said it (laughs) properly because for people who watch his show Season two, which was really weird, but really cool, is about him having the idea for this album. And then season three digs even deeper into it. So the fact that we're going to get new music from Little Dicky. And if you watch this show, the music's pretty, pretty good. It's really good to hear. And he's shockingly, I know he's got a funny name and he's kind of a jokey comic type of guy, but he can rap. The dude can rap and we haven't heard new music from him I want to say pre-pandemic, so it's going to be really cool to see what he has in the hopper, especially because I'm really obsessed with his show, Dave. I think that show's really good, so I'm excited about that. I discovered the band LSD this year, which is Labyrinth, Sia, and Diplo. They put out one record, uh, Welcome to the Wonderful World of LSD in 2019, and that record's awesome. It's got like hip-hop, pop, R&B, soul, electronic music. They blend all their genres together, and I find that album to be incredibly listenable. It's great to listen to with my kid because there's no bad words or any weird subject or content that they're talking about. So I really enjoyed that, that band and that one album they put out. I've gotten back into MGMT. I think it comes with all of us white suburban dads who, when we get into our 40s, it's like, I'm going to listen to electronic pop music that I used to listen to, but I thought it was pretentious. But now that I'm older, I can listen to it again. So they're good. They're a good band. I may not like their shtick, but they make good music. I think what really pushed me into liking them is I went back and watched a video of them recording songs off of Stop Making Sense from when they were in college. So I'm like, oh, okay, these guys are actually super talented. But as far as albums go, there were two albums that stuck out to me, two albums I really listened to a lot. Killer Mike put out a solo record called Michael, and it's exactly what you want from Killer Mike. It's it's essentially a run the Jules record without LP, Jamie Molina, who does feature on a song. But he's got a a fantastic guest list with people like CeeLo Greens on there, Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin does a verse before he put out. And I don't have his record on my thing because I just can't get into jazz flute. But Killer Mike (laughs) put out this wonderful hip hop record that is exactly what I want from him. It's got great beats. It's fast paced. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's a very personal story coming from him. Personally, for me, the best record of the year is Let's Start Here by Little Yachty. I always pushed him to the side. It was always, he's a party rapper. He doesn't take it seriously. I don't like his music. And then a bunch of people who I trust their musical tastes and their musical recommendations told me I have to listen to it because it's not what I expect. And boy, were they right. This is a psychedelic, trippy, hip-hop rock record. It, it does everything. And it is just this crazy amalgamation of sounds that happened to work. And Lil Yachty took this wild, wild left turn, this wild swing, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. I find myself going back to this record and listening to it over and over again and finding new things that I like about it. And the fact that he's doing something different, that he's trying something different, I applaud him for that. And he got lucky because this this worked for a listener like me
0: every few years I find a new artist and I just kind of fall into them. I mean, something speaks to me and gosh, I probably have right before the pandemic, I started to really get into Elizabeth Grant's music. I don't know know who that is. No, that's the real name of Lana Del Rey. Oh, okay. He's a weirdo, man. Yeah.
1: At Waffle House. and stuff. Yeah. She is an
0: incredible (laughs) weirdo, but I absolutely just adore her music. And, The album Norman Norman Effing Rockwell is—it's one of my favorite albums of all time, and she is definitely an acquired taste. She is definitely like you know, again as a person, she's the one that wore the the mesh like mask out during the pandemic and stuff. But she is just she sings about kind of loneliness, and at the same time, sings about going to the liquor store at 2 a.m. to get a bottle or something. She'll sing about how much she is absolutely in love. And then she'll sing the song about vaping. I mean, <laughs> it is definitely, again, my kind of music. But yeah. this year she came out with Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard. and A lot of, a lot
1: of uh, lists I read had this on their list.
0: And it's, it's not still Norman F. and Rockwell, still my favorite album she has. But this is a great album. I mean, it is really good. And she's been Going in, collaborating with some other people. I know her and Casey Musgraves have done some stuff. Oh, my wife
1: loves Casey Musgraves.
0: But she's got John Baptiste and Father John Misty and the Bleachers on this album. I mean, Uh, it's a great album. It really is. Outside of that, though, again, a lot of this year was about discovery. And when about the time I was thinking of first watch, rewatch, and one of the movies I'd written down uh, was Ridley Scott's Legend. And a lot of it, I remember, was the score was Tangerine Dream. So some Uh weird reason I got into West German electronic prog rock of Tangerine Dream from the late (laughs) 70s and early 80s. Through that, I found this Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds that we talked about. Oh, yeah. I just got obsessed with this thing. I went out and I got, cause of course it's me. I got the vinyl. Of course. Even to the point it made me go back and read the original book, War of the Worlds again. So I had to, had to call that out, that it's something I had never heard of. It came out in 1978, but it's Hmm. something I never heard of a year ago. And then it just, it like obsessed me for a brief period of time. And I'm like, Oh, okay. But yeah, outside of that, it's, I'm listening to the same stuff. I mean, I could have put one of my favorite movies of the year was Stop Making Sense because A24 released in the theaters.
1: (laughs) Um, I will say, too, my daughter went to see the Eras tour movie because we are not millionaires and can't afford to see Taylor (laughs) Swift. And she's gotten really into Taylor Swift lately, and she's not bad. I enjoy the stuff that I've heard from her. It's all her popular stuff, but. I don't know. Maybe that's a new discovery for me, too, is that I think Taylor Swift is a pretty, pretty accomplished,
0: pretty good artist. You well. know what? It's, regardless what I think of her music, she is a great human being.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and another thing, too, is that I think you would probably appreciate is from the bear. They have a bunch of like 90s alt mm-hmm, rock, yeah. classic rock stuff on their soundtrack. And I've gotten heavily into R.E.M. lately, too, because they play the song Strange Currencies, which I've always liked. And that that has led me into listening to some of their other stuff i particularly what's the album that has like a bear on the cover is that called crush because I, think- I, I like that album a lot but then my favorite my favorite song of theirs though i don't know how you feel about it has been night swimming because no, yeah, no i love tale. night swimming okay, okay. Yeah, i didn't no. know if you were if you were if you i know you used to listen to Aria, yeah i assume you still do so
0: yeah so i want to talk a little bit about video games here I haven't. For the people who are big video game people, I haven't played Baldur's Gate three. It's a game I I've thought of, and I'm going to explain why I did not really play anything else. Before I get to my game, did you have any video game things?
1: I'm still waiting on the college football game oh. to come out. There's been. No, I mean, I I picked up the show because mm-hmm. my son played that, and I think that game's really fun. As long as I can set it on the lowest difficulties and crack home runs with guys like Mookie Betts and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., but no, I'm still waiting on the college football game. There's nothing else that's really on my mind.
0: As of this recording, I have just downloaded the... I think it's called Phantom Liberty, Liberty the Cyberpunk 2077 thing. And I never hated that game in particular. It's cool. You have Keanu Reeves. Ron cool the Jewels stuff. wrote a song yeah. for it. It's, <laughs> but I understand why people think it's a broken game. And supposedly with this new download, it's one of the best games of this year. But no, I... Around my birthday, as a gift to myself, I got myself Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Oh,
1: that gift's played a ton in my house because my wife loves that game.
0: And Monday night, two days ago from us recording this, I completed it. Hey, congrats. So (laughs) I spent (laughs) the entire summer and fall with basically that's the only game I played. And I'm not one of these people that played it like. Every day. But I played it a lot. I mean, I've, I've put hundreds of hours probably into this game. And I'm going to tell you, I was telling this to my wife. And I know you're not big into it. My son, he could care less or things like that. But Nintendo puts out a Zelda game or a Mario game, and they're perfect. They're just mm-hmm. perfect. One of the other biggest games, a game we've been waiting 20 years for from Bethesda, who are the people that make Skyrim and uh, the Fallout games, is this their space game, Starfield. And I you know, have my Xbox Game Pass. I downloaded it day one. And the game bored the living hell out of me. Mm. So I went back to go finish Zelda and play Zelda more. And that Tears of the Kingdom, I mean, I said it about Breath of the Wild. Say about this, It's the greatest video game ever made. I mean, they just know how to do it. Even the end of it, it, it was so satisfying. It was one of those things I remember speaking of Skyrim. I played Skyrim for like 10 years before I finished it. Because I just like walking around the world and doing this stuff. And when I finished it, everybody said, oh, no, the story sucks. Nobody cares. The end of the Zelda game was genuinely moving. And I was like, this is just a stupid game running around, making weird machines. But it was, it was a masterpiece. And now I get to go be Keanu Reeves again and run around the futuristic city.
1: I will say with the Zelda stuff, and I even wrote a whole blog about this, it looks beautiful. It looks incredible, but I'll say it to you, I've said it to my wife, I've said it to my son who plays it, there's no end to it. You can do all these different quests, and what I like about the video games I play, now granted, they're all sports games, but even when I did play a game like Crash Bandicoot, there was an ending. Yeah, There was something to go to, and I think that's why I don't play these games is because you said you spent 10 years playing a video game. Like I can't yep. imagine a world where I would yeah. play the same game and do all these little side quests. That's just not for me, but... The game looks amazing. It's one of the prettiest things I've ever seen on my television when my wife plays that game.
0: I mean, for me, and I i, I was telling my wife this, it was just satisfying because what I like about the Legend of Zelda games in particular is their puzzles. And mm-hmm. there's some of the games, like you go back to Twilight Princess or even Ocarina of Time, where these temples are massive. So they're massive puzzles. Mm-hmm. But this, this particular game, these were simpler puzzles, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. There's times I had to look up things on the internet, but the times oh, yeah. I did not, I was so proud of myself. I was like, "Hey, yay me! I'm a, I'm a good boy. I can figure this out." But I will also say, and I know there's probably people who have played it, like you're an idiot. But man, that that last Ganon fight was like going back to old Nintendo days. That thing was hard as hell.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you talk about using the internet too. I'll be laying down on the couch on like a Sunday after I have a training run, and I'll be laying there all cleaned up. But, Contemplating if I want to doze or not, my wife will say, "Hey, look this up for me." And I'm like, "Isn't that de- defeating the point of this whole game? Is that you nope. got to figure this stuff out on your own?" No, nope. but it sounds like it's a pretty common practice for everybody who plays it.
0: You know, with Zelda 2 I do like some of the simplicity of it. Going back to cyberpunk, few. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do, or. Hell, Madden, I feel like you need two controllers to play Madden now. It's Madden's, Madden's the same thing, dude. But it's, it's the same game every year. Obviously, it is because I keep getting my ass kicked by, you know, everybody <laughs> <laughs> I play with. But I just can't figure it out. And that, that, like That's the game my son wants to play, though. That's his game. Same as my
1: son. That's all he wants to play. And then I'll go downstairs and beat him. I'm never going to play this game again.
0: There's a lot of podcasts I listen to that have mm-hmm. ended or have come to an end or have Changed format to a point. So I actually, especially in the last few months, went through a lot of podcast discovery. Okay. So there's a couple new ones here and there, but for the most part, finding new po- finding podcasts that are still going, but I'm going through their back catalogs, which a lot yep. of it is during the pandemic. But before I get to mine, what are some podcast highlights for you?
1: So this is one that I don't listen to regularly, but we went on a road trip over the summer to Iowa, and my wife introduced me to this podcast called Normal Gossip. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty fascinating to listen to. It's just, it's exactly it's hometown gossip from person who tells a story. And they had a whole episode about a guy who like started an orchid farm in his house because he loved orchids. And I found it, it it's like watching a Paddington or it's like watching a, a Wonka. It's, it's comfort food. It's relaxing. It's something that you can kind of space out for an hour, hour and a half and just enjoy these people telling a story. So I thought that was interesting. I support Comedy Bang Bang, Comedy Bang Bang World. I'm a page patron of that. And Scott Hasn't Seen is one of my favorite podcasts. I look forward to it every Friday where Scott Ackerman and Sprague sit down and they talk about a movie that Scott Aukerman hasn't seen. And the episode this year, The First Wives Club with Danielle Schneider and Casey Wilson is amazing because Scott did not like that movie and everybody else did. And they kind of attack him on it. So I found that to be a fascinating listen. I thought that was a great time. Eric Andre put out a new podcast. I love Eric Andre. I love hearing him talk to people. All it is is about people bombing on stage. He has comedians come on and they talk about a time they bombed or when they saw a bomb or when somebody was or when they were just hammered and performing stand up comedy. They're fantastic to listen to. And I'm an Eric Andre fan, so I'm into it. Jacob Weissaki and Matt Apodaca, who have their own podcast, did a thing for Earwolf called Expo Expose, a five part miniseries where they went to expos. And they talked about them. They went to a reptile one. They went to a gun one. They went to a comic, like an anime type thing. And these are worlds I would have never visited myself. But when two guys I like, like Jacob Wysocki and Matt Apodocker, are like, oh, we're going to do this five-part miniseries. I find myself, found myself listening to it and really enjoying it. But the highlight of the year for me, besides obviously our podcast, the best podcast ever, is the Flagrant Ones put out a new football fantasy sports-based thing called Foosballs. Carl Tart is the main host. There's uh, two other hosts whose names escape me right now. But essentially, it's three comedians, three comic writers who just sit there and goof on fantasy sports and talk about fantasy football, talk about fantasy basketball, talk about players. And much like the Flagrant Ones podcast, which is three comedy writers talking about basketball, these are three comedy writers talking about fantasy sports, talking about football players, and then eventually delving into fantasy basketball and it's just a blast for me to listen to hour-long episodes that I find to be great for when I, I listen to their most recent episode when I was out running this morning, and I would have to stop a couple times because I was laughing so hard. I, I really enjoy this podcast.
0: Like I said, I've I've gone to find a few new ones, and you and I, we did two podcasts about the history of the Canon Film Studio. Uh-huh, yeah. And so in my research and I discovered there's two improv actors writers in hollywood that do something called the canon canon where they go through each canon film sometimes i have a guest on and it's great i mean it is great their episodes are long they're hour and a half they often joke that their episodes are longer than the movies that they're talking about yeah but it's to me it's just you especially people my age that remember that crap you go back to it i've been listening for a while but there's one 900 hot dog is That's basically old Cracked, the old Cracked website. A lot of those guys that started there, like one of them does a basketball podcast now, but they've all kind of gone off into podcasting. But one of my old favorite writers from Cracked, Sean Baby, who just would uncover the most ridiculous things ever, like Christian lovemaking manuals from the 1980s and things like that. Nice, (laughs) And review them. And so that's what his website is rockway i can't remember his, his co-host but and they bring a lot of these people from from Cracked, the old cracked on there and that's where i discovered this sometimes their shows are really just way out there but this year they've mm-hmm. gotten really really good this is where i discovered that masters of the gridiron that cleveland browns oh, nice. <laughs> movie came from them and they did a whole big one on milf manor and You know, they did one on the movie Mannequin and just how insane the movie Mannequin is. And it's, you know, so that's one every week I've really, really looked forward to. But one of my old standbys is The Dollop. I listen to The Dollop with Gareth Reynolds and Dave Anthony fairly regularly. I've talked about Dave Anthony did the whole West Wing thing. He's doing this other one called The Audit. But The Dollop has a sub podcast called The Past Times. Where Dave grabs an old newspaper and reads it to his buddy Gareth, and they always have a guest who's always like another comedian or somebody that they know. And it's insane. Just these papers sure. are insane from like the 1800s. It's like colored man walks down street oh, or something God. like that. Horrible. <laughs> and, but then the one, the podcast for me, the podcast of the year, definitively, is Gareth Reynolds, who's good buddies with Jake Johnson. Mm. they do a podcast called we're here to help which is a call in they people call in for help with their problems and gareth and jake give them advice usually really really bad advice
1: is this (laughs) jake johnson from like new girl stuff? yes oh wow (laughs) uh,
0: yes spider-man from the yeah yeah spider-man yeah so they and they a lot of times they'll have like guest people who had been on new girl and stuff well like Max Greenfield I know has been oh, nice. on there I before like Max and it's their very first one was like a girl that plays Dungeons and Dragons who is trying to upstage this other girl who plays Dungeons and Dragons by being more character voices and then later that other girl calls and she's like no no now this girl's better than me so I want to be better than her and They'll follow up with people on stuff. (laughs) I mean, they had one where this girl who lives in New York is uh, with a bunch of people was dog sitting for somebody. And she said she just went to town on her body all week because... She, Whoa! But then she, <laughs> at the end, she realized there was a nanny camera in the house, oh, <laughs> so she's God. trying asking them advice on, hey, how do I approach this from them? But wow. again, it's stupid, but it's it's great. It's a lot of fun, yeah. and the episodes are thirty minutes long, so I uh, I do have it. to call out, we're here to help. Outside of that tie, when it comes to pop culture, the only like new book I read was a book that came out in 2012 called I Want My MTV about the history of MTV.
1: Yeah, I haven't read (laughs) many books. Unfortunately for me, it's just, yeah, I mean, outside of music, sports, podcast, TV, all that stuff, like I, movies, I really don't, I am making it a plan in 2024 to read more. So hopefully I'll talk more about books. But I mean, I have an 11-year-old and an eight-year-old. My 11-year-old plays football, basketball, and baseball. My eight-year-old's in Girl Scouts and has karate. I don't have a lot of time to do a lot of the other stuff that a lot of other people may have the time and I'm not complaining. I no. love it. I coach my son's basketball team. It's it's rad to like watch him grow up and play. I love watching my daughter do karate and learn how to defend herself and everything, but family takes precedent over certain pop culture stuff I may like to do. I would love to start playing guitar again too. I just don't have the time.
0: Like hey, we all have we all put the time towards the things we want. My yeah. wife reads a lot. I play Zelda. Okay. Uh-huh. I run. Yeah. That's my getaway. I mean, that's there there is that and I I tried to make a point to go to the movies but I'm kind of on my own with that. My wife yeah. doesn't care as much. I mean, we went to go see Indiana Jones. We saw Oppenheimer and Barbie in the theater too, but for the most part, she's not going to care to go see a Japanese Godzilla movie. So I go by myself. She doesn't want to see Stop Making Sense. So I go by yeah. myself. I
1: asked my wife if she would have any interest in seeing Poor Things or Iron Claw with me. And I told her they were both A24 movies. And she said, nope, that's yeah. your thing. Yeah. So that's just her answer to me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what we choose to do. But having said that, it's with the bad stuff like like, you know, I don't want to say the game Starfield's bad. It's just boring, but... There's... Flash is bad. The yeah. Flash was bad. But that ended. <laughs> that ended all that crap. No more. Yeah. That's all done. I mean, James Gunn is doing his thing, and I wish him all the best. I hope it works out. But everybody's yeah. like, oh, you know, but I kind of liked Henry Cavill as Superman or Ben Affleck or Gal Gadot. Or... No, it's done, okay? And Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot were both in The Flash, and they were both terrible. OK, uh-huh. <laughs> it's just time to end it. It's over. Let's move on. And maybe with what's going on with Jonathan Major- Majors, maybe Marvel is like, hey, let's go a different way now. Let's do something different. And I would be more than happy because I like watching that stuff. I just I, you know what it feels like now. It feels like it's homework. And I totally. don't like doing homework. Ms. Marvel was great. I loved Ms. Marvel. I thought that show was incredible. I had going back to movies. I have no desire to go see this movie because it supposedly sucks. So yeah. why should I go see something that sucks? I
1: told my wife that it would have been a baller move. If in infinity war, when Th- Thanos did the snap, if they actually killed all those people and said, oh. okay, we're going in a new direction. now," <laughs> yeah. They didn't do it because yeah. of multiverses. And I, while I love Spider-Man into the spider verse, I did not like Dr. Strange multi multitude of madness or whatever the hell it was called. So. Yeah. I just have fatigue. I know it's a cliche popular thing to say, but I do seriously have superhero fatigue. And that's what I want to say too. Like if I have an hour or two during the day that I have nothing to do, I'm going to pick to go outside and go for a run that I would rather go see a movie, watch a TV show. I'm going to either run or take a nap. That's where I'm at in my
0: life right now. Yeah. I'm just going to build crazy crap in Zelda. So that's, <laughs> exactly, that's, that's what I'm going to do. But With that, that's the year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy happy New Year. We're gonna come in 2024 to talk about what we're looking forward to because Mm -hmm. man, is there a lot of good stuff to look forward to. A lot of
1: movies. Yeah. I will actually have to try and make time to go see stuff that's coming out.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I am going to walk up to the movie theater when Furiosa comes out and just give them a thousand dollars and say the money I have. (laughs) i mean there's it's just no no doubt about that but we'll talk to that so i'll be seeing you in person soon ty but yeah. on this side have a uh, happy holidays and happy new year and uh, same
1: to you and yours
0: yeah and uh with uh where are they gonna find you ty if oh yeah you need can to- uh
1: yeah you can find me on uh facebook and instagram ty kulik t-y-k-u-l-i-k all lowercase More importantly, come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G dot. Currently, this week I'm writing my top five lists of the year of everything. So you can find that at SeedSing. S-E-E-D-S-I-N G. Appeared on a couple episodes of Chucklehead chat, hosted by everybody Glenn Adams. Check out that podcast. You're going to hear me on First Watch, Rewatch, just Lamb Base the uh, Star Wars holiday special. But there's other good podcasts on there, or other good movies that we've talked about on there. Most importantly, you know, come listen to me on this podcast, Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us. And as always, Black Lives Matter.
0: Yeah, repeat all that. The seed saying Ex-Millennial Man. First watch, rewatch. I um, have another new podcast, which I'll talk about in the new year coming out. And so we'll talk more about that. But yeah, with all that being said, thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast? Remember, we are here every Saturday for free. Wherever you find your fine podcasting shows, or at least we're here for one more Saturday in twenty twenty three for free. Yep. With all that stuff, like I said, we're recording this a few days early because I got to get my butt on the road to go back to the Lou and good old St. Louis, the three one four. And yep, or are you, or are you the six three six?
1: I'm in six three six. uh Our two, our two brothers are in five seven three, and our mom and dad are in
0: three I'm always repping the three one four. So we'll uh, <laughs> yeah. see you soon, Ty. Stay fresh, cheese bags.
1: Sherlock, Sherlock, the Fuji, a tongue, a swap, and a loach, and a knock, and to taste
0: the X Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com. Fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik. Adequately engineered by
1: Ryan Kulik.